0: Let's go ahead and turn to the book of Nehemiah here tonight, Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, and uh, as we consider some more thoughts on doing evangelistic types of Bible studies, um, we've completed a four-week series on that, and again, I hope you'll take advantage of that four-week series, mainly on the book of John and Romans, good study, uh, shows the way and plan of salvation, shows the way of eternal life and the reason again the book of john was written so that we might know we have uh, eternal life and so great study and so again encourage you again to use that as you have opportunity it's on the back table it is online it can be sent to people uh, you know via phone via uh, internet and all those kind of things and uh, if you need more details on that certainly could get those to you but uh Let's begin here tonight in Nehemiah chapter 8, and I want to consider here tonight why a Bible study to begin with, again, why a Bible study. And uh, again, the root reason for a Bible study uh, we'll get from this text, and we get from the Word of God, and so we'll take and uh, consider some thoughts here from Nehemiah to begin with here tonight uh, before we get into another Bible study that you might use uh, to help bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man in the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday uh, before the uh, men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And as the scribe stood up upon a pulpit of wood. I'm going to skip through a few verses there. In verse number six it says, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the Lord, uh, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen and Amen, lifting up their hands and they worshipped uh, and bowed their heads and worshipped uh, the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Jeshua and Benaiah and uh, Sherebiah and uh, Jamin and a whole bunch of guys here, Aqab, Aqab and uh, Shabithiah, and Hodagiah, and Messiah and Kelilah, and Ezariah and Josephat, and Hanan, and, and uh, Pelilah, and the, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their places. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading, and Nehemiah, which is uh, the tersh, uh, the, tersh, uh, uh, the Tershathah, and uh, Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And when he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared, For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Tonight I'd like to look at this thought again on why a Bible study, but we're going to look at an analytical and uh, organized approach to Bible study. Let's consider this thought here tonight. Father, thank you again for your word here tonight. Thank you again for the opportunity we can uh, be in your house, Father, gather with your people, Uh, again freely hear from the word of God and, and understand it. Again, just ask, Lord, as we study again here tonight that we would be able to consider another tool for evangelism that could be used by us and has been used by others. And again, as we consider this this thought here tonight on Bible study, help us, Lord, to see uh, the purpose behind it. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Now, we see a word uh, several times in this passage of scripture, it's the word understand, and uh, you know, you got to think about this. When it comes to a Bible study, the purpose behind a Bible study is to get someone to understand the way of eternal life. That is the main purpose of Bible study. Again, this isn't necessarily a Bible study. This is a Bible instruction time here in the book of uh, Nehemiah. And as Nehemiah and other men, again, talked and, 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 and showed forth the word of God uh, people that were able to understand could hear uh, the Word of God. Look at verse number two. It says, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, all that could hear with understanding. And so there are people that can understand, there are people that can't understand. And again, uh, when it comes to the Word of God, there might be people, again, that are so childlike, uh, been born childlike and behaved that they may never truly be able to understand the gospel. But In this case, we find, again, the Bible uh, brings out the fact that people can hear and understand the Word of God. And so they spend some time reading the Word of God. Verse number 3, it says, And he read therein before the street that was before them from the water gate from morning till midday uh, before the men and the women, those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And So you see a very receptive audience there they were attentive to the words of, of, of God, and uh, verse number four, someone might say, well, why do you have uh, pulpits today? Well, I think it might go back to here. It says, in Ezra, the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, and uh, he began to teach the word of God. Verse number five, he opened the book, and all of all the people, and he was above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. You know, you've probably known of churches where people, when the Bibles open up, they stand for the Word of God. They say, let us stand in respect to the Word of God. Where does that come from? I believe it comes here from Nehemiah chapter 8, out of respect for the Word of God. Let's stand to the Word of God. And so they did that. It goes on there and mentions, they said amen and amen. And so I just want to mention if you say amen or amen, that's okay because they said that uh, to the words of God. As they heard the Word of God, different guys were involved with teaching there. Verse number seven, it says in Jeshua, Ben and I, and all these guys with different names. And the Levites, verse seven, caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave sense, and caused them to understand the reading. And it goes on from there, and says a number of different things. And it says in verse number 12, it says, And all the people went their way to drink and to send portions and to make a great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Now you see here in the Bible, people open to hearing the word of God, people attending to the word of God, people that actually wept after hearing the word of God. It talks about there in verse number 9, they're weeping and mourning because of what they hear in the word of God. Maybe it's because they haven't been doing what they're supposed to be doing. Maybe there's things that they should be doing that they haven't been doing. It could be a sense of neglect or a sense of uh, doing wrong or right or whatever it might be. But they're responding to the Word of God and they're understanding the Word of God. And uh, someone says, why a Bible study? So you as a, a, as a Bible study instructor can give the Word of God to someone else that they might understand. They might understand what the Word of God says. And it says there, verse number eight, it says, and they read the book of the law of God distinctly, gave the sense, caused them to understand the reading. So they exposited on the Word of God, they gave the sense, they helped them to understand what the Word of God was saying, that they didn't just read it, they actually helped the people understand it. Why Bible study here tonight? Just give you some reasons for Bible study again because people just don't understand God's Word and God's will. And they don't, many of them don't know, don't have any clue when it comes to eternal life, how eternal life can be obtained. And so, again, you want to study the Bible with someone because it'll help bring someone to a place of understanding. And uh, some might say, well, it's got to be a certain pe- person that does this. Well, see, you see all these different guys used here uh, to teach the word of God. And, and through all these different men, people understood the word of God. It says there in verse 13 also, it says, and on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of the people and the priests and the Levites unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. So you saw, I believe, again, even some of those instructors and chief people there wanting to know what the Word of God says. And so, again, when it comes to having a Bible study, just ask someone, would you like to know how to have eternal life? If you would, I'd be glad to have Bible study with you so that you might know how to have eternal life. And so, again, the purpose for Bible study is to bring about an understanding Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9, 1 Samuel chapter 9. Another reason for Bible studies is to share uh, the word of God with someone else that, again, might need it for uh, some part of their life or might need it for comfort, they might need it for encouragement, they might need it for hope, um, etc. We see again Samuel, the prophet Samuel, share the word of God with Saul. And again, we should be sharing the word of God with other people. First Samuel chapter 9, verse number 25, it says, And when they were come down from the high place unto the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of his house, and they arose early. And it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house and said, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went forth out, both of them, And he and Samuel brought, and as they were going down the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, bid the servants pass over on before us and pass on, but stand thou still a while, that I might show thee the word of God. And another purpose we have for Bible study is just showing people the word of God. A lot of people live under a traditional worship system. They might live under some kind of religion, but your desire is to share with them some of the Word of God. Now, I know this is a prophet sharing the Word of God with Saul, again, a king, and certainly, again, this is a little different, but it's good for us to share the Word of God. Let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 17. purpose of Bible study is to bring about understanding. Secondly, is to instill a biblical fear of God. And so, you know, some people are going through life, they have no idea uh, about what might be in, in, in store for them in the future, and now one of the purposes of Bible study is to instill a biblical fear of God in them. 2 Kings chapter 17, and, and picking up there, verse number 24. <coughs> and the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon, from uh, Cuthon, and from Aba, and from Hamath, and from uh, Uh, and and placed the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel, and they possessed Samaria and and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwellings there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. Therefore they spake to the king of uh, Assyria, saying, The nations thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of uh, the God of the land. Therefore he has set lions among them, and behold, they slay them, because they know not the manner of God of the land. The king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests, who brought them from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let them teach them the manner of uh, of God in the land. Then one of the priests, whom he had carried away from Samaria, came and dwelt in Bethel, and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Why Bible studies? Another good reason for Bible studies so that people would learn to fear the Lord. Some people don't fear the Lord. They don't serve the Lord. They don't love the Lord. They're not necessarily living for the Lord. They might be confused about the Lord and who the Lord is. And so we would teach them the fear of the Lord. And again, it's necessary in Bible study to seek to be a guide. Again, the Ethiopian eunuch needed a guide. How can someone, how can I understand this, you know, basically this prophet Isaiah, unless unless somebody guides me? Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 14, we looked at there last week, talks about how shall they hear without a preacher? There's need for someone to teach or to preach or to tell someone uh, the words of God. Verse 27, the last part of the verse, it says, "...and let him teach them the manner of of the God of the land." And so people need to just know plainly about God. Third reason for Bible study, and let's turn to Psalm chapter 51. I just want to cover this quickly. Uh, Again, it's very important, but let's cover it quickly. Psalm 51 and verse number 13. Why Bible study? To bring sinners to conversion and to salvation. Psalm 51, verse number 13. The Bible says, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. I'll teach with the purpose of what? That sinners would be converted to thee. Again, John chapter 20, verse number 31 tells us again the Bible was written so that people might know that they have eternal life. And so we need to share the Word of God, give them understanding, help them to understand the Scriptures through analytical and uh scriptural means uh, to instill a biblical fear of God and to bring uh sinners towards salvation. Some may not get saved, but they can certainly. Uh, get saved, some will along the way. And so let's consider here tonight some thoughts on not only why a Bible study, but what's another Bible study that we could use? And I've pointed this out in the past, and we've had it here for quite some time, but there's a Salvation Bible Basics Bible study by Doug Hammond. And I just want to give you a little overview of that study here tonight. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter. 16. We're not going to go through it like we did this last study, but uh, I just want to give you a little overview of this study in case you want to use it. Again, I would encourage you to use this especially, and again, I'm not saying this is the only people you might use it with, but maybe someone who doesn't know about a conversion when it comes to salvation. In other words, someone that doesn't understand you must be lost and then you must be saved. There are two places and points uh, of life. You're either saved or you're lost. You're lost or you're saved. You might use it with someone who believes in maybe, you know, you just grow into salvation. You just grow into it. You're a Christian. You're born in a Christian home and that sort of thing. But it's a good study. It's different than the other study. The other study was kind of a question-answer, read the Bible, uh, give an answer kind of a Bible study. This is plainly just a study that uh, you go through with someone else where you read this study together. And again, it's maybe... A little bit odd that way, so it may not be something you want to use with everyone, but uh, you're going to say, I want to study this Bible study with you because it'll help you understand eternal life. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, the basis of this study is to see how God looks at things. I think if you would read to that study, that four-part study, you would see how does God look at things? We have a vantage point. God has a vantage point. How does God Look at things. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. One of the first verses that are used in that study is right here, First Samuel 16, verse 7. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, and the Lord looketh upon the heart. And so I just want to go through Each of those lessons, again, just kind of giving you an overview of each lesson. The first lesson, there's four lessons, there's four parts to it. Take about an hour each uh, part there. The first lesson deals with facing God based on truth. Facing God based on truth. Let's turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. You're going to face God, everybody someday is going to face God based on truth. And uh, whether someone wants to believe the words of truth and uh, know the words of truth and know what God says about the truth, that's important. Because the Bible says here in Romans chapter 2 and verse number 1 and 2, the Bible says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou that judges, for wherewith thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things, and then notice this verse, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. The judgment of God is according to truth. You'll face God based on the truth. We looked at this verse this morning. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 14. You'll be facing God according to Bible truth, not according to traditions not according to maybe uh, church ideas or whatever religious ideas, but you'll face God according to the truth. Romans chapter 14, verse number 12, it says, so that every one of us shall give account of himself to God. It's you and God. It's you and the truth. One can believe whatever they want to believe, but one day you will face God based on the truth. That's what lesson one is about. You'll be held accountable to God's truth. You'll be held accountable to God's commandments. You'll be held uh, accountable to what the scripture says. And so lesson one is about the truth. It too, like that first study that we looked at last week there, or a few weeks ago, uh, deals with the Ten Commandments and, and covers them extensively. So it's similar to the eternal life Bible study that we looked at. But let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. People might say, well, I can do what you want. I understand you can do what you want. And again, this Bible study goes into, yes, you can do what you want. You can uh, believe what you want. You can do what you want. You can choose what you want. But you one day will be held accountable for True, and what the truth says. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse number 9, it says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thy heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. And so we'll be brought into judgment according to the truth. Again, the last Uh, verse of this chapter, says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. And so how does your life line up with the truth? Do you follow the truth? Do you follow the Ten Commandments? Are you able to follow the Ten Commandments? Are you open to the truth? Have you believed the truth? Have you rejected the truth? Have you ignored the truth? That's lesson one. Lesson two and this is important. If you turn over Luke chapter 19, not that the first study isn't important, I'm just saying the second study, lesson two, deals with relationships. And really, again, uh, the salvation that we can get from God deals with relationships. And uh, there's a contrast shown in, verse, in, the, in, the, in the second lesson on relationships. And, and in this lesson, I believe most people, by the time they get done with that lesson, will know whether they truly have a relationship or they don't uh, with God. And that's important. Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what everybody starts out with, lost. No relationship with God. Again, the Bible would describe that person as lost. Turn to Romans chapter 10, but on the flip side... Romans chapter 10 verse number 13 would talk about the lost. On one side, no relationship with God. On the other side, relationship with God is being one who has been saved or rescued. Romans chapter 10 verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so someone goes from a place of being lost to saved. Or they're in state. There's no middle ground. You're either lost or saved. The whole study, lesson two, points at, hey, where are you at? Are you lost or are you saved? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Are you unrighteous? Are you unrighteous? Right now, are you unrighteous or are you righteous? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And so on one side there is the unrighteous, those not right in God's eyes. On the other side are the righteous, those that have been washed, those that have been sanctified, uh, those that have been justified, and again, they are then righteous, not because of their righteousness, but by the righteousness of God. And again, the study goes on uh, looking at different things like, are you unforgiven or forgiven? Right now, are you unforgiven or forgiven? You're one and the other. Are you an enemy of God, or are you... A friend, are you reconciled to God? Where are you at spiritually? Are you condemned right now? Or are you not condemned? Again, John chapter 3, verse 18, uh, speaks about being not condemned or being condemned based on belief. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Are you condemned or are you not condemned? Everybody starts under the condemnation of God and everyone needs to be moved to that position of being under no condemnation any longer. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Justified by faith. And so it speaks of this need for a relationship with God by faith, without works. Talks about being under the wrath of God or accepted in the Beloved. Talks about being headed for hell. Talks about being headed for heaven. It speaks specifically on grace. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. This is lesson 2. God will allow you to have a relationship based with God, not on works, not on, not on deeds, not on what you might do, uh, because it's all been done, but by grace. We can have a relationship with God by grace. Ephesians Chapter 2, verse number 8, 9, how does one get grace? They receive it by faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so, if they're going to gain a relationship with God, they're going to get it based on grace and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, lesson two, very relational. They either have a relationship with God or they don't. There's no in-between God. Either you're saved or you're lost. You're either unrighteous or you're righteous. You're forgiven or unforgiven. You're either reconciled to God or you're still an enemy of God. You're either in a place of condemnation or commendation. You're either under the wrath of God or accepted and beloved. You're either headed for hell or you're headed for heaven. So it lays these things out for someone to see. Uh, again, relationship, salvation is relational. Let's turn to Romans chapter 11. And then in lesson number three, you see the provision of the gospel. And uh, there's a lot on that as far as the provision of the gospel. Uh, in, in lesson three, there's thoughts on Jesus. There's thoughts on the blood. There's thoughts on, uh, again, salvation and uh salvation and, and, and especially again uh, kind of uh, goes into uh, you know the need for having salvation by grace without works and so Romans chapter 11 says this verse number 16 it says and if by grace then it's no more works otherwise grace is no more grace but if it be of works then it's no more grace otherwise work is no more work and so it lays out the difference between grace and works. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. For those who maybe believe in somehow salvation or eternal life might come through baptism, uh, it shows from the scripture here, Romans chapter 1 and uh, verse number 16, and following that we are not saved uh, by, again, anything but the, the precious precious blood of Jesus through the Gospel of Jesus, Romans chapter 1 verse 16. it says, "For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. And so there's an emphasis on what the gospel is and the good news can save. And uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and it goes into that baptism cannot say. Circumcision cannot say. Religious observances do not help you to become right with God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be none of fact. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. And so we see here in the Bible, uh, Christ didn't send people to baptize people, but rather to preach the gospel of Christ and the cross that people might be saved. It goes into what the gospel is, and uh, we can look over there if you would. Uh, Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 15. I mean, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, it outlines what the gospel is. It goes into why the gospel is good news to all that hear it. And uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye have also received, wherein ye stand, by which ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that which I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture, and that he was buried... And he rose again the third day according to scriptures. And so it outlays what the gospel is. Man must believe and receive the good news of the gospel. Christ is our substitute for our sins. Again, uh, through the death, burial, and resurrection, we can have life through Jesus Christ. God sought to make reconciliation for us, the blood of Jesus Christ. All these things deal with God's provision for man through Jesus Christ, how he loved us, how he cared for us. All those kinds of things. And then the last part. If you turn to Mark chapter 1, the last lesson is extensive too. It deals with two ingredients in salvation. We call them the Siamese twins of salvation, repentance, and faith. And so Mark chapter 1, let's turn over there. Two ingredients in salvation, and they go. he goes into great detail here. Again, this study is something you read along with the other person, and they read as you read each week. There are uh, review type things that can be done. There are handouts uh, between there uh, that can be, uh, or outlines, if you would, that are available that kind of break down the lessons into their main points. But uh, we see here in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and verse 15, the two key ingredients in salvation. Peace, pardon, and forgiveness are available to those who will repent and believe the gospel. Let me say that again. Peace, pardon, forgiveness are available to all who repent and believe the gospel. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And so we see both them mentioned here, and they're mentioned throughout the Scripture. Let's turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Where's this repentance to be placed? Where's this faith to be placed? Uh, Acts chapter 20 tells us where this repentance is directed towards. And again, I get over there. Acts chapter 20, verse number 20 and 21. It says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so repentance is toward God, just like the Ninevites were sorry, towards God, just like... Again, that uh, person there, again, who was caught in adultery, the very act was sorry towards God. Just like that lady, just like uh, Mark. I mean, sorry, John, chapter four, we see repentance towards God, sorry towards God, and uh, again, uh, uh, repentance towards God, and then faith or trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, our, our trust needs to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, the sinner seeing their sinfulness, seeing that they cannot follow the Ten Commandments, seeing that they fall short of the glory of God. They see Jesus to be that person that can uh, build that bridge between them and God. And again, they accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Let's turn to John chapter 3. One of the uh, maybe differences that this study has that the last study didn't have is it encourages the person that's studying with you Uh, to put together a timeline of their life. And again, as they're going through this last lesson there, they're supposed to put together a timeline of their life, beginning with their physical birth. Uh, When was your physical birth? You could ask them that question. And uh, my physical birth was October 25th, 1969. That was when I was born to this world. That's when uh, they would say my birthday, my physical birthday was. And then you're going to ask them, when was your day of salvation? When did you get saved? Um, For some, they'd say, well, I never heard about being saved or born again. Um, Don't know. But uh, you would say, whatever your birthday is, your second birthday, if you would, your day of salvation. Uh, For me, it was May 27, 1989. Um, And then you'd say, well, what are you going to talk to them about? Well, you're going to talk to them about the new birth. And again, We talked about witnessing, uh, emphasizing the new birth. John chapter 3, verse number 3 and verse number 6, this needs to be done especially with people that are religious. They might be very zealous. They might be teaching in a church. They might be members of a choir. They might be in a position of teaching a Sunday school class or whatever it might be. But yet, in John 3, verse 3, Jesus said to this man who was religious, was a follower of the Bible to some degree, was a teacher. Uh, Again, when it comes to the scriptures, etc., he said to him in verse 3, it says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so this last lesson lays out the need for a new birth, a day of salvation. Luke chapter 19 talks about the day of salvation also. Verse 6 and verse 7, it says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you must be born again. There's a fleshly birth, which is a physical birth. And there's a spiritual birth. And that comes from above. Let's turn back to John chapter 1 in explaining the new birth. One must explain to them that their part in the new birth is to repent and believe on Jesus, or trust in Jesus, God's part in the salvation is to birth them into his family. John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, as you receive him as Messiah, Lord, you receive him as your Savior. To them gave he power to become the sons of the God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God. And so our part is to believe, receive, and God's part is to birth us into his family. Let's turn back to Nehemiah chapter 8. Why should we, again, be involved in a Bible study situation? Again, to give someone understanding of salvation or eternal life. Secondly, to bring about a fear of the Lord, and thirdly, to bring them to a place of, conversion or accountability to the words of God. Nehemiah chapter 8, let's turn back there and we'll just read a few verses and we'll end here tonight, give you a few more thoughts about Bible study as we close, but Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 8, so they read in the book of the law distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is a tertia thought, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites, they taught, all, uh, taught the people and said unto all the people, This is, a, uh, is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. So you want them to respond to the words of God. You want them to hear the word of God. And you want them to understand what God's word says. Four lessons, main parts or main topics to those lessons. Uh, Lesson number one, you'll face God based on the truth. Lesson number two, God sees you uh, with or without a relationship with Him. Lesson three, God's made a provision through Jesus, the blood and the gospel for you to be saved. And there are two parts or two ingredients in salvation, repentance and faith. And he goes into great detail on faith and repentance, what they're like, how you can uh, re, uh, repent and believe the gospel, and I think it's a great study uh, for the average listener. It might, again, be uh, something you haven't studied through before. Again, I, again, encourage you in any of these studies to go through them and uh, understand what's in them, add to them, change them, however it might be, and uh, use it with somebody else so that they might understand the Word of God. All right? Again, uh, Cause people to understand the law. Cause people to understand the scripture, that's important. Let's close as we consider the word of God here tonight.